All right, well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, well, we are continuing a series today called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And I feel like they were kind of implying that when someone breaks up with you, you want to eat a gallon of ice cream. Is that, does that seem like what they were kind of saying? How many of y'all are eating a gallon of ice cream after someone broke up with you? None of you want to admit it? Some of you did. All right, I appreciate that. How many of you just eat a, a gallon of ice cream just for fun? <laughs> That's good. Uh, so good. Well, hey, we are so glad that you're with us today. We, uh, like I said, we're continuing a series called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And this is our third week in that. And so if you missed any of uh, the previous messages, you can find those online. You can also uh, download our app and, and find those there as well. And so just kind of get you caught up. But uh, have no fear. I will catch you up as much as I can so that you can kind of get where we are and where we're going today, all right? And so you may be asking this question, uh, well, who is this series for, really? Because, you know, sometimes when you hear something like love, dates, heartbreaks, you're like, does this really fit me? Now, for some of you, it's like, I get it. That's right where I'm at. But then there are some who's like, I don't know. And so, so I always want to clarify who this series is for. This series is really for people who are in a romantic relationship or who desire to be in a romantic relationship. So if that hits you, then more than likely there's a lot of you in here like that. And so I believe it's going to be helpful to you uh, as you continue figuring out what does it look like for me to have good relationships, to have healthy relationships that thrive, you know, that aren't just surviving. And, and, and I think all of us want that, don't we? And so it's so important that we do uh, this kind of topic around the church because I believe the Bible has an enormous amount to say to us on this subject. And I think sometimes we don't think that because it's written so long ago. But the great thing about the Bible is that the principles are sound. They carry through space and time and they, they really do transcend history and culture and, and all kinds of things. So I hope you'd open yourself up today to the possibility that the Bible has something to say to you uh, about relationships and how those relationships can be good. But I do kind of need to start with just a foundational thing and that is there are two myths that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. The first myth is what we call the right person myth. And that basically goes like this. If, if I... Uh, I need to wait or look for the right person. And, and if I do that, then everything's going to be all right. And all the married people said, no, that's not how that works. Because there is a part of us like, okay, right equals right, and then right gets to more right. Logically, it makes sense. But the problem is, is that right, insert human, that messes up sometimes, huh? Doesn't always lead to the right that you were looking for. And, and, and so that idea, that myth, is sometimes the thing that we're chasing. And we've talked about how rather than looking for the right person, it's so important that in the time, the space and time that I'm looking for someone, or maybe I'm in a relationship right now, or even a marriage covenant, that, that I commit myself to becoming the right person. Because ultimately, I can't control the, the, who's showing up. But I can control who I become. I can invest myself in that. And so really, in this time of dating, or, or even in marriage, is I have to not only become, or at least maintain and be the same person that the person married. You know what I'm saying? That I don't digress. Some of us have digressed a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so this series is about us remembering that we have work to do. 
If we're going to have good relationships, we got to put in some time. You, you cannot have successful relationships on autopilot. It's just not going to work. And so we have to be committed to preparing, to prepare what we've got to be, what we've got to become. And then the second myth, and that is just what we call the promise myth. And that is that basically uh, if I have a, someday I make a promise and have a party, everything's going to be great. And you know that's not true. So you can have a promise and a vow and you can say all the stuff and maybe even wrote them, you know. Maybe they were really special that you just spent lots of time on. I love you to the ends of the Amazon River and... Well, that's what I really wrote. Why y'all laughing? But, you know, you say all those things and I'm the preacher and so I do my thing and, and, and you walk out and you're just like, yeah. And then you celebrate, right? You have the biggest party ever. Some of you spend way too much money on that. Some of you, you would be better off spending more time on the preparation and less time on the party. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get any amens out of that. I feel that was weird. So you're like, don't be messing with my, my wedding. Well, that's fine. You have the biggest wedding you want. But as your pastor, I would rather you have a great marriage, great relationship. I'd rather you spend more time there, you know, spend 200, or no one spends 200, well, I guess some people spend $200,000 on weddings, spend, you know, spend 500 bucks on some premarital, you know what I'm saying, rather than just buy all the hors d'oeuvres for everybody. Are you guys okay? I, I just want to make sure you're with me, all right? I just, because I really want to dig in a little bit here today uh, about this idea that, that I can be in a promised relationship, I can, get a, I can be in a covenant and still not experience great relationships. Some of us are married, and that's our situation right now. And here's the thing I know is that just because you make a promise and have a party, it doesn't make you capable. You can say, I do, and still not be capable because you didn't spend the time pre preparing yourself. And so that's the worst situation to be in, isn't it? Is where you are, you're not capable and you're accountable and that ultimately leads you to, to being miserable because you can't win. And so I just wanna encourage you, if you're in the preparation stage, do the work now. If you're in a married situation, then start doing the work you need to do in order to have the relationship you want. And Jesus was so clear about this. He says in his word, and it's just like, it's so simple. You know when Jesus says something that's just so simple, you're just like, hm, yeah, that makes sense. I, I should do that. And so he says very clearly that I should love people the way that he loved people. And if you think about how he loved people, if you know the story, he was willing to give his life up so that people could be restored back to a God that loved them. So he was willing to sacrifice everything. And so when you think about the kind of love that we're talking about, that's the kind of love we're talking about. And you know, what I love about the Bible is that, that it takes things like that and it begins to expand upon them. And so Paul, maybe you've heard of the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter called 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Well, it's called 1 Corinthians, but it, it's not called 13. There's, you guys are with me. 
So in the 13th chapter, he starts to describe for us what this love looks like, how it plays out. You know, so Jesus says, love people the way I love people. And then he starts to really just detail that out. And some of you have probably heard this passage at like a wedding or something. Someone read 1 Corinthians 13, love is this and love is that and love is this. And so maybe you've heard some of this. And so I'll just kind of briefly talk about a few of these that we talked about last week. And that is love is patient, right? Love is kind. Love does not envy it's not boastful or proud. Love does not dishonor others. And you're sitting there in the pew at this wedding or in some chair and you're going, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, look at that. It's so beautiful. And you're thinking, is that what I'm experiencing? And I, I hope it is. But here's what I know. You can. You can have this. It, it's hard. It's not easy. Because I think anything worth doing is, you know, it's like it, nothing worth doing is easy. I think, I think there always is some effort that comes with it. Now, we're not talking about whether or not you have to work yourself, to, you know, work really hard to get God to love you. He already loves you. Like, he's already said that. He just wants you to have good relationships, and sometimes that takes work. And so you see this list of love is patient, love is kind, and all these things. And, and the, the other thing that it doesn't say is it says that we don't love people just uh, because they're better than us. Or because they deserve it. Come on. And some of us, that's how we give love. And, you know, it's like, well, if they would act better, mm -hmm, right? If they were loving or if they were more honorable or if they were this or if they were that, then I would be able to give my love to them. The problem is, is that's not what the Bible says. That's an additive. That's, based, that's an additive we've added based on our pain or our experience or some situation that we've been through, our story. And I'm not discounting that. I'm just simply saying we can't insert that and, and, and still be doing what the Scripture tells us to do. Because Jesus was very clear about this, and Paul is very clear about this stuff. And so we don't love people because they deserve it. Because last time I checked, none of us deserve it. I mean, that's what the scripture says. I mean, none of us deserve it. You don't deserve anything. It's that the Bible says we love because Jesus first loved us. And so I'm patient. I want to be kind. I, want to, I don't want to be envious. I don't want to be boastful. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to dishonor other people. Not because I have to, but because I want to see those kinds of relationships in my life. And I hope you do as well. And so we're going to dig into the latter part of his description of love. So he goes, love is this, love is this. And so he goes on in verse 5 and starts talking more about what love is. And so I'll read the first one to you. And, and like I said, it's in verse 5. Love is not self-seeking. It's not self-seeking. In other words, it's not selfish. It's not intended to ever be focused on me. It's all about the interests of others. It's all about the needs of others. It's always doing that and keeping that clear. This is what I know, that probably 97% of our relationships could be better or healed if we weren't being selfish. You're like, so what are you saying? Are you saying that I'm selfish? Yeah, I am. I'm saying as a pastor, I've been in this game a long time. I've helped people. And usually that's what it boils down to. You got two people being selfish or one person being selfish. And the other one's like, why are you being so selfish? And then it's, and that's where you head. 
Because you can't have healthy, loving relationships that are selfish. That's all about you and all about what you want. And, and I think sometimes we deceive ourselves. We, we're like, well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not selfish. Well, just ask your mate. I mean, they should be able to tell you. Are you selfish? Am I selfish? We'll see what, call me, I guess, when that happens. No, don't call me. Call someone else. But see, love isn't self-seeking. It was never intended by God. And I just think most relationships end up in a bad place because people just want to get their way. You know, here's kind of a funny trick for you. When you're in the middle of an argument, like just stop the argument and just say this. I just want what I want. Just say that, like out loud. And it'll, it'll, be, it'll shock you and it'll shock the other person. Because now you're just being honest. You know what I mean? Like now you're just being honest because that's what's really going on. And you're just like, yeah, that's it. But then you look at it and you're like, I don't like that. I don't want to be that person. I want to be better than that. I don't want it just to be about me. Because I know I can't have the love that Jesus wants me to experience is if I'm being selfish. Because that's the very opposite of the love that Jesus showed us. And so we've got to understand that love is not self-seeking. I'll give you a tip. So if you're in a dating relationship or in a situation, you know, a relational situation, and, and you give and give and give, and that other person takes and takes and takes, you should run and run and run. You, you see what I'm saying? Because if you're in a relationship where you give, 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 and the other's like, yeah, I like it, I like it, I take it, I take it, I take it, but they never give back, you should cut that now because it's not getting better later. You have to understand that. And so if that's happening, go ahead and just be like, yep, that's not the person. But if you're in a situation where you give and they give, you might have found somebody. You might have found somebody that you could do life with, that you could invest your heart in because there's something there to work with. But if you just got to take her, man, that's no fun. You don't, you're never going to be successful with that situation. All right, so there's a couple other things that, 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 that Paul goes on to kind of just describe for us. He, he says love is not self-seeking. Another thing he says in verse 5 is love is not easily angered. Ooh. Some of y'all have tempers. I know. We, uh, you, that may be your natural way of responding when you get frustrated or whatever. And, and that's the thing about anger is, is, is the Greek word here for anger, is a, it's a cooking term. And it means to, to be stirred up, right? Like that person's stirring me up. Like there's, it's, it's to be stirred up. And you have some people in your life that stir you up that make you angry. And, and that person may be the person you're dating, or they may be the person that you're married to. And, and, and here's the thing. Anger is not a sin. It's not a sin to be angry. I mean, if the Bible would have said, don't be angry, but it doesn't. It says, don't be easily angered. And then the Bible says, don't sin in your anger. So anger, being angry, is an emotion that God gives you to help you gauge what's going on in your heart. So it doesn't mean that you're supposed to never get angry. You should, be, you should acknowledge when you're angry. 
Because if you don't, you end up stuffing it and then you explode some other day, right? If you don't ever acknowledge the emotion, sometimes it's hard to just stuff the thing. And that's the thing with anger. If you don't deal with it, it can be, it can be explosive. Anger handled in the wrong way, in a sinful way, is usually like scorched earth. You know what I mean? It's like someone just dropped a bomb and it just, like a fire-breathing dragon. That's what anger does. Because you may be directing it at one person, but there's always these innocent bystanders that get a part of it too, you know? It's like everybody else around you gets some of it. And, and I think that's the bad thing sometimes when anger is misused. And, and so, so, so Paul is very clearly saying, hey, just don't let this happen easily. Don't, don't become angry easy. And some of us become angry easy. And some of us never get angry, right? We're just like, oh, no. But I, I, I promise you, you're angry somewhere. I'll, I can help you find it. Because that's what happens is, is anger is an indicator to help us. And when we allow it to govern us, we hurt a lot of people in the process, don't we? And so when someone's stirring us up, we've got to make sure that we don't allow that to happen. And you say, well, how do I do that? Here, here's a couple of tricks. Listen. Like, don't respond or don't react. So someone comes at you and they're angry. Don't react. Because, you know, because anytime we just react, a lot of times it's not going to go well. It's like, don't you, don't you yell at me. You bow up. Some of you, that's what you do. Now, some of you, you shrink back. That's just who you are. But, but some of you just bow, bow up. And I just want to say, make sure you're listening. Make sure you're, you're hearing what people are saying in the process. But the other one is practice absorbing the energy. In other words, don't just bow up and let it hit you. And then it bounces off of you and you bounces back to them and ricochets and hits them right in the face. No, you, you figure out you're, you're almost like liquid. You're like absorbing the energy that's coming towards you. You're absorbing that energy and, and, and you're letting them speak and you're letting them talk. And maybe they just need to get it off their chest. And, and then finally, you know, when they get done, you can finally just say, okay, okay. Don't, don't say, are you done? Don't do that. Don't do that. But as they end, you'll be like, okay, okay, all right. I heard you. I see you. You know, I, but, and then, and then maybe you respond and say, hey, well, this is what I think. Because if you, you know how that works. If you elevate it, it's going to get elevated and the whole thing's just going to get fun. I had a pastor, I had a pastor say to me one time, sometimes people just need their pound of flesh. You know, they just come at you. They got to take their pound of flesh out of you makes them feel better or something because they're just able to mess with you. And if you'll just absorb it, a lot of times it can lead to a good conversation. Sometimes it leads to just kind of a reconciliation of, of, of sorts. Sometimes people just needed to get it off their chest and they get it off their chest and they're fine after that. And y'all can hug it out and it'll be fine. doesn't make it right. See what I'm saying? It's not about it being right. It's not about what you deserve. I don't, don't you disrespect me like that. I don't deserve that. Yes, that's true. But if you do that, where's it going? And that's what we have to understand about love. Jesus handled things differently. He didn't handle it like the world handles it. And so we've got to learn new ways of doing things. And like I've heard this before, you know, that, well, he pushes my buttons, right? She just is pushing my buttons. Just always on my buttons, buttons. And you're like, what do I do? Just do this. 
Because your button's over here. You can't, be, you can't get my button. Or some people said, just cut the wires in the buttons. Like they post the button, I'm pushing a button and putting a button. Well, the wires aren't connected anymore, so you ain't getting nothing from me. I've just cut that wire. I'm not going to let you keep pushing that button. That ain't going to happen. Because again, you're not out of control. Remember, it's your button. It's not their button. You are in charge of your buttons. And so whatever someone's pushing on you, that's your button. And so you've got to control that button. You've got to say, no, I'm not going to let that get me. And I was, I was at a, a coffee shop this week, and I was uh, hanging out with a, a pastor friend of mine, and we were just talking, and, and we were having this deep theological discussion, you know, about sports or something. And... <laughs> And this lady in the room, she's a little older lady, and she had her, I think it was her granddaughter or something. And man, she just got angry. Like it just kind of, you know, went off on this kid. Like just got real straight with her. Like, don't you, don't. And I was like, uh oh. And I'm, a, I'm kind of a justice person. And so when I see things like that, I want to get up and be like, what's your problem? Like, we need to talk. <laughs> Which people love, I'm telling you. But it's like, I was just, I was so disappointed in what was happening, you know? And, and there is a part, because he was like a, a kid, you know? And like kids, they don't know how to interact in that world very well, because there's so many power relationship, like power dynamics there. They don't really know what to do. And so I wanted to kind of like defend the kid and be like, hey, hey, stop it, you know? But, but I was so, it, it just made me think, that's probably how this lady handles a lot of things. When she feels pushed, when she's not getting her way, when something, boom, and everybody's like, ah, ah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And some of you have that. Some of you are in relationships like that. And I just want to say to you, the Bible says, don't allow yourself to be easily angered. God has a better way for you. You've got to practice listening and absorbing energy. Or you're going you're gonna to respond in ways that are never going to lead to what you want. And so Paul goes on. He keeps going. He says, love keeps no record of wrongs. No! This one's hard. So not, not only am I not supposed to be self-seeking, I'm not supposed to be easily angered, I'm not supposed to keep a record of wrong. Oh, some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, you got file cabinets on people. I mean, there are lists upon lists upon lists that you have on people. And we talked about how kindness is lending someone else your strength rather than always pointing out their weakness. And it's like, when we point out other people's wrongdoings and their weaknesses, it's just, it, it never leads to life. Never leads to life. If that's what we're focused on, and the thing that really boils my grits, I just made that up. The thing that really upsets me in that, and I've done it and you've done it probably too, is when we do that, when we point out other people's lists and they're, you know, they're, I got a cabinet full of things and we do, the thing that really, I mean, it's like, I got to, how dare I do that to somebody? And the reason is, is because Jesus didn't do that to me. When I stood before Jesus asking him to save me from my own wretchedness, 
He doesn't pull the file cabinet out and say, hey, let's deal with this, boy. He doesn't. He says, you know what? I'm going to put that away. And it, we, come to me. I love you. You're my son. I forgive you. And guys, when we measure somebody else by a different measurement, come on. Not okay. And that's, that's, that's why this list keeping is all messed up. We can't do that. It says keep no record of wrong. Not like 20%. Not the stuff that was just really bad. Just says no record of wrong. That's tough, isn't it? Because people can be hurtful. It can be difficult. And here, if you're honest, I just want to say, if that's you, if you're honest, do you enjoy catching someone when they mess up? Just if you're honest. And if you do, stop it. That's not okay. It is not reflecting the power of God. It's not reflecting the love of Christ. Because I guarantee you, you would not want Jesus doing that to you. <laughs> Come on. Looks like I need some amens more on that. But see, record keepers rarely keep track of their own records. <laughs> Right? They love to keep records on everybody else, but they're not keeping records on themselves. And here's the thing. You can be exactly right. Maybe you could be exactly right in every relationship, but there's a good chance you're going to be exactly alone as a byproduct of it. Get that. Your effort to be right all the time will lead you to your own destruction and loneliness because nobody wants to hang out with that person. So you might be right, but you're going to be alone. And that's not the love that Jesus shows us. You know, matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 2, we see a love that's completely different. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 talks about Jesus' example to us. It says, rather, he, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He didn't ask for his rights. He came and he laid his life down as a servant. And that's what I should do in my relationships. I don't know about you, but I've been going through this series and teaching it, and you probably have been having some of this experience, if you're honest. And I've been looking at it, and I've been like, man, I'm really not doing good here. Have you ever had that, have you had that feeling through this? I've, I've been like... Yeah, man, I really, I'm not doing, I, I don't, I didn't honor my wife right here, you know? I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't patient here, you know? I, I, and, and, and so I just want to say to you, we're all in good company, but we do have a measure, a standard that God created for us that we've got to follow. And so Paul is about to wrap this thing up. And so it's like the fireworks are coming, right? The grand finale. Is about to show up. And he says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And so the truth is important, he says. It always, look at this, it always protects. Always. So love always protects. Now, what I want you to do, I want everybody to close their eyes for a second. I'm not going to sneak up on you, I promise. I want you to close your eyes for a second. I'm going to say a word. And I want you to just, whatever first comes to your thought, you know, or to your mind. When I say this word, all right? Smuggler. Okay, open your eyes. 
Now, did anybody have a positive word come to their mind on that deal or a positive thing? No, because that word has a negative connotation. You don't want to be a smuggler. Anybody want to be a smuggler in here? Some of you are like, well, that's what I am. What are you? <laughs> I'm just glad you're here. In Jesus' name, God has a plan for your life. Amen? Amen. We're all in need of Jesus. But, but you hear the word smuggler, and there's nothing good that comes out of that word. But here's the thing that happens sometimes, is that we don't always love people by protecting them because we're smuggling things into the relationship that nobody knows about. You know what I'm saying? We smuggle things in. We smuggle things like, you know, sometimes debt, sometimes habits, sometimes secrets. And what we do is we smuggle these into the relationship. The person may or may not even know that it's going on. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying if you're going to have a good relationship, you've got to be honest. You've got to be able to, to know what those things are. The person that you're marrying or you're dating should know some of these things because if you don't, then what's going to happen is you're smuggling them in and the Bible says that love always protects. You should be standing at the door of your heart and that person's heart and saying, no, I'm not going to let anything into this thing that's going to hurt the person. I'm going to do what I can to make sure that that's not going to happen. And that's why I've been talking so much about preparation. That you've got to begin to prepare. You've got to begin to do some spelunking in your soul. You've got to begin to look deep, do a deep dive into your, your, your psyche and some of your immaturities and some of your family dynamics and all those things so that when you come to the relationship, you know what's there. You know what's there. And that's hard, and I get that. But we should never want to smuggle things into our relationship because we, we, we're, we're then not protecting the person we say we love. And then he goes on and he says, and it's kind of like this is the big boom. He says, always trust, right? Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And it's like, <laughs> always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. See, love chooses to see the best in people, hope the best about people, believe the best, and overlook the rest. That I have a different perspective. Because look, if you start with, you're a dirty rat. I mean, if you start with that, if you start with, you're a liar. If you start with, yeah, you are messed up. Hey, if you start with that, guess where you're going to go? It's the law of reciprocity. You sow that seed, that's what you're getting in return. If you sow criticism into your marriage, you will get that in return. It's, it's, it's God's law. You can be like, well, no, it's not. Yes, it is. And you know it. You know it, not just because the word of God says it, because you see it. Because if you look at your relationship right now and you have these negative things going on, there's a good chance somebody was sowing something. Perhaps it was a little bit of selfishness on both sides. It leads to that place, and God has so much better. Guys, there's hope. There's hope. Like, I don't want you to walk out of here being like, oh, man, I really messed this thing up. There's hope. That's what I love. I love about God, and I love about the Bible. 
I love about the definition of repentance. We hear that word sometimes as a negative thing, but I love this word because it means to just have a new thought. Some of you today could just have a new thought. And that new thought becomes a seed. And that seed begins to grow into something that's beautiful, especially in the hands of God. And so don't think you're hopeless today. God has a plan for you that is so much better than you can even think about or imagine. But you've got to do it his way. You've got to do it his way. So I'm going to give you a summary because we're kind of coming to the end of this love chapter. And I want to give you a summary of all the things we've talked about. So on the, on the screen, I'm going to show you all the things that Paul says is of, uh, of what love is. He says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast or it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects. Come on. Look at that. So good. And always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Right? So that's the list. I don't know about you, when I look at that list, I think, oh no, I'm in trouble. Because there, there are a lot of things on that list I don't do well. If I'm honest. And if you're honest, there's, that's probably true. Some of you are like, yeah, I got them all. Like, praise God for you. But love's not proud, is it? See what I did there? <laughs> some of you got it. You, some of you get it later at lunch. You'll be like, Ah, I see what he did. But that list is intense. It's intense. And I'm thankful for that because it gives me something to reach for. And I know it's difficult, and it gives me another thing to reach for, and that's Jesus. Because there's no way I'm keeping that list without his help. If I could accomplish it without him, I wouldn't need him. And that's the thing. But, it, but here's the thing. It, it should never keep us from trying. It should never keep us from reaching. And so I just want to ask you to do this. All right, go home today. Maybe go to dinner with your significant other. You know, whatever you're going to do. And I want you to look at this list. I actually pulled this list out in 1 Corinthians 13, all right? And I want you just simply to score yourself. You're like, I don't want to do that. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how patient are you? On a scale, you know, so see what I'm doing there? So 10 being highest and 1 being lowest, because that's just mathematically correct. Which are you? You know, are you, you 10? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm always patient, you know? So go through the list, right? Score yourself. Now, I'm not doing this to make you feel bad. I, I just, I want you to know. And, and, and what you need to do is, is, is find the ones that maybe you're lowest at and say, you know what, I'm going to start to work on these. I'm going to do something. I'm going to invest. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to get some accountability. And I'm going to begin to work on that one thing or that two things that, that, that will lead to me having a better experience of relationships. Now, can you do that? Can you guys do that? Some of you are like, I'm not doing that. I get it. I know. Some of you won't do it. Uh, and and I, I'll just say to you, if you don't put any work in, you're not going to get better. So, so take the time to look at it and then begin to ask yourself, how, how am I doing? 
Now, here's the other thing. So bring the list back up. So you see the list of patient, kind, all the things. Now, the other exercise I want you to do is I want you to look at the list, and I want you to cross off all the ones that you don't want in your relationship, (laughs) right? In your marriage or your future relationship or your dating relationship. Just cross off the ones you don't want. More than likely, you want all of those. Like, most people aren't going to cross them off because you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want that in my life. I want to experience that in my life. The problem is, is I'm not that. I'm not working on that. I'm not becoming that. And back to the point of what I sow, I reap. And so it's so critical that we see that I want this, I want this, I want this. Well, if you want it, start becoming it. And you'll start to see things change. I promise you. I'm telling you, I am not a liar. As far as I know. (laughs) And I would not tell you this if it wasn't true. I've seen it happen. You sow that and you will reap it. And I'm telling you guys, you hear my heart today? I mean, I just, I'm not angry at you. I'm loving you today. I really want you to experience this because God has such a better plan for you and you've got to begin to prepare. And so then, then Paul does what Paul does. It's like, you think you're done, you know? You're like, okay, that's a pretty intense list. What else does Paul have to say? Well, as they say in business, he gives us the last 10%. You know, in evaluations, you know, you give people evaluations, and a lot of times you only give them about 80% of what you really want to say. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going to give you the last 20. I'm going to give you the last 10. And so Paul starts this way. So same passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Okay, so we just skip down a few verses, and this is what Paul has the audacity to say. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Then he says, when I became an adult, I put away childhood things. I put childhood behind me. So what is Paul saying? Very simply, he's saying grow up. That's what he's saying. He's like, right now, your love may look like a baby. The way you're treating people, the way you're loving people might be like a child. And as you become an adult, you've got to begin to put away those childish things. You've got to begin to act like an adult. And I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like hearing that sometimes. Like if someone comes to you like you're crying, you're having a hard time, bad day, and, and they finally just look at you and say, hey, I hear you. But you realize this is you. Don't you? We need those people in our lives. We need people to just not... You, you need some friends that don't, don't just go down the road with you. You need some friends that will at least hold back and say, hey, this is what's real. I love you enough to say this is what's real. And the way you're behaving right now is quite childish, somewhat immature, selfish, right? Because the Bible says the truth will help us. And when you look at this, guys, this is not easy to do. But I think so often we, we, we act like children in our relationships with one another. And we're like 40 years old. And the Bible says, put away that stuff. 
Begin to act mature here. Begin to learn the things you need to learn. Begin to grow. Because you know, kids are like, kids are born selfish. And some of you are like, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I, I, it's true. And if you don't believe it, I'll, I'll spend enough time with you and your children and I'll point it out. All right? Because you know, kids are. It's mine. It's mine. That's mine. And then you finally have to teach them. No, little Billy, you need to share this, right? Share your toy. Do this. Do, you have to train them in the ways that they should go. And, and guys, some of us are at a place where that, we're acting like children at, at, at this age. And we haven't had anybody just finally say, hey, you're, you're being a child. And that's what Paul's saying. So don't get mad at me. Apostle Paul said it. He said, don't do that. Don't look, don't look at the examples around you. Look at the Bible. Look at what God is saying. You know, it's like Hollywood, man. They, they, they peddle this romantic junk. And I'm not saying it's bad to watch romance. I'm saying that when you get to the end of it and you got this happily ever after thing going on, just know it's not real. Relationships are hard. They're difficult. It just doesn't work that way. And when we grab hold of that stuff and put it in our brain, we start applying all these things to the person we're made it up with, and it's not even fair. You're like, why don't you look like Brad Pitt? You know, why don't you do this like the guy in the soap opera? You know? Why, and, and it's just not fair. We make these comparisons, and it's just not okay. So Paul tells us to grow up. So here are two questions I'll end with. Are you willing to abandon the assumption that, that once you meet the right person, you'll magically become a different person? Are you willing to do that? The other is, are you ready to do the difficult work of becoming the person, the person you're looking for is looking for? Or the person that you're married to is hoping for. I really hope you are because somebody out there is hoping you will do so as well. And that's my heart for you. Um, I do want to mention next week, next week um, I'm going to be talking about the five rules of dating by Daniel Taylor. And so you're not going to want to miss these, I promise you. So bring somebody. Maybe you know somebody that's dating. Maybe you are trying to rediscover how you date in your marriage. I mean, all that stuff. Bring somebody. It's going to be fun, I promise. Uh, and you'll get to hear a little bit more about what I think about dating next week. So go ahead and invite somebody with you. Let me, let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your word. How it challenges us. God, how it, how it stirs us up, how it, 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 it really goes to the complacent places and the comfortable places in our heart, the places of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and all the things that we've allowed in that are not giving us the love and the, the, the relationships that we really want. God, I know that there are people in here that maybe are feeling even heavy right now because that's their deal. That's where they're at. And I just want to say to you today, God is here. The power of the Holy Spirit is available.
all he asks is that you would stop doing it on your own. Reach for him. Put your trust in him. Submit yourself to his authority. And watch what he'll begin to do in your heart. And if you're there today, I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now for anybody in this room that wants to recommit in this area. God, I pray that you would give them the strength and the power through your Holy Spirit to do the things in this list that are so difficult. God, I pray for healing in relationships. I pray that some relationships would break off because they need to. God, I pray for marriages to be restored. If that's you, just say, say, I receive that. I need it. I, I receive it today, God. Need you. I can't do it without you. You can't understand love the way that the Bible presents it without looking at the cross of Jesus. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? And if you don't have that relationship, here's the good news. Today could be your day. So I want to ask you today if that's something you want. The Bible says that if you'll reach for it, God is already reaching towards you. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, he'll come in and he'll save you and he'll begin to transform you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you, do you know him? And on the count of three, what I'm going to ask you to do is just simply raise your hand up as an indication of your desire. And I want to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out or have you come down front or anything. I just, I just want to pray for you. And so right now on the count of three, why don't you just raise your hand up, okay? Be bold about it. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. Good, good, good. God bless you. Good. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Church, we're all going to pray together right now. No one's praying alone in here. And so if you did raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my savior? Will you be my Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? Would you give me good relationships, God? Would you show me my purpose? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?